Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. everybody, and welcome to a special edition of BGN Radio. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. We're going to get you ready for Eagles versus Jets this Sunday. And I got a special guest coming up in just a second to talk to me about the game and talk to me about the landscape of the NFC. ESPN Sports Center anchor and Philadelphia sports fan Kevin Gandhi is going to join me here in just a few minutes uh, to chat about Eagles, Jets, and some other stuff going around the NFL. I will run down for you the top 10 teams in the NFC, my little NFC power poll uh, just conducted in my own mind and uh, give you my thoughts on who I think is going to win this Sunday as well. One joining me for this special edition of BGN Radio is the great Kevin Nagandi, Sports Center anchor for ESPN, Philadelphia native, big Philly sports fan. Of course, you can follow Kevin on Twitter. Kevin, what's your what's your Twitter handle for the kids? Hey, John, it's K Nagandi ESPN. The H is pretty tricky, but if you <laughs> know how to spell Gandhi, put an N E in front of it, and then you got K Nagandi ESPN. There you go, Kevin. Uh, thanks for coming on BGN Radio. How you been? I've been good. Um, I'm looking forward to the weekend and. Um, it's been a quiet weekend, which kind of scares me, but at the same time, the Eagles are taking on the Jets, so uh, they they are due for a game where they can kind of get an easy W, considering that uh, our nerves are pretty shot after the first month of the season. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been a wild ride these first four weeks, and I, I think if we're all anticipating that this season is going to end up where we hope it ends up, that we'll have a few more games this year like we had in 2017, because as we look back two years... The Eagles really did get a number of teams coming into Lincoln Financial Field that did not seem as if they were going to offer much resistance, and the Eagles didn't let them stick around. The Eagles did a great job that season of handling the teams that they needed to handle, especially at home, and really turned some games into laughers. Last year, that wasn't the case. They had a really hard time putting bad teams away. Letting I think we saw in the, in the first quarter of games in 2017, the Eagles really step on teams next, like the Jets, like teams like that who were who are coming into to Lincoln Financial Field this Sunday. And so, to me, I think we're going to get a pretty good indication of where this team is headed based on how they take care of business against New York this Sunday. Is that fair? Yeah, John, I think that's an excellent point. And considering the, the, the schedule that they got in front of them the next five weeks, they're going to have to find a way to make this an easy weekend. And I think the way you could do that is by being consistent by running the football and letting your, your offensive line basically take over. And we saw that in the second half of that game against Washington where they said, all right, the game plan is going to be this line is going to dictate how we're moving the football. Mm. Not so much Carson. We're going to figure this out with this line. And then we saw that in the Packer game where we were, we were getting to a point where it was like, all right, I think that the one thing we know is Jordan Howard is going to get us yards that are in a positive direction. And that's the one thing that I've been screaming at for the first four weeks of the, of the season. Jordan Howard, when he has the ball, whether it's two, three, four, five yards, he is always moving forward. He is always falling forward, mm-hmm. and good things happen. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, and I really like how that sets up a lot of things for Carson 
after you establish that running game. Well, sure, and I think we've seen most of the good teams in the NFL, they pass the ball a lot, but they don't exclusively pass. I I mentioned the point after the Packers game last week that Aaron Rodgers, by the end of that game, had no running game whatsoever to go to. The Eagles had completely shut it down, and he had lost his best receiver, Devontae Adams, in that final drive, uh, before that final drive, and didn't have him for that last drive. And we've seen Carson Wentz in the exact same position that we saw Aaron Rodgers at the end of that game. And Aaron Rodgers, as good, good a quarterback back as he is can't do it all by himself against good teams you have to have some semblance of a running game and you have to have your best players your best wide receivers got to have some playmakers on the outside and so what we saw in the Packers game was the Eagles offensive line allowing the Eagles to mix up the run and the pass really well I thought that series I think it was their second to last scoring drive where the one where Howard caught the the wheel route out of the back out yep. of the backfield for a 20-yard touchdown that drive looked to me exactly like the Super Bowl. And that's what I want to see more of. More of the play action, more of the run, the, the RPO where Carson's getting the ball out fast, mixing in the run. It's, it's, it's a huge weapon that I don't think Carson has used enough when, when he's the starting quarterback. I agree. And, you know, and Jordan Howard reminds me of LeGarrette Blunt, a guy that's not afraid to go between the tackles. To me, the biggest success for that Eagles team in 2017 was by establishing the run. You also keep that defense off the field, right? Yeah. And we saw a lot of that with this Eagles team where, okay, let's keep the ball away from Aaron Rodgers in that second yeah. half. We understand what he's going to do. You mentioned the passing attack. Listen, the league is falling in love with throwing the football left and right no matter what. And you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers there. But Jonathan Velma, who's my colleague here at ESPN, you know, I work with him on Saturdays, and we were talking about that specifically, you know, after that Thursday night game, and he was like, as a linebacker, man, I was, I was so happy if we were playing a pass-happy team because I knew that it would eliminate me from reacting to a running attack. So if I knew that they weren't running the ball, then I could get in the right position immediately because I could anticipate the pass. And I think you saw that in the final two drives with the Packers. When they're inside the 10-yard line, they get four yards, and it's now second and goal from the three, and they decide, you know what, we're going to throw the ball. They're handing, honestly, the answers to the test to the defense. (laughs) Yeah, The Eagles need to consistently get back to that running attack. And uh, let's just hope that Jordan Howard, I know that they do this running back by committee in the hot hand. Jordan Howard should, in my mind, have at least 20 touches, and I, I think he should have at least 12 touches in that first half. And then you could figure things out the rest of the way. And I think everything falls into place, and it's going to help that defense. And that defense does need some help, considering what we're seeing on the back end and when it comes to coverage. And the one thing that stood out from that that night against the Packers was we were finally getting some type of pass rush. And it felt like Brandon Graham was very active. It felt like Fletcher was a a lot more active. And I know he's still dealing with that, that, the foot injury, but he's not 100%. But if you could get those guys some rest and then you can get some consistent pass rush, it changes everything. And and then uh, I I know it sounds so simple, but it is basic when you see last night what the Rams did. And, And they're so pass happy and you can't establish the run on first down. So no longer it's a second and five and you do what they love to do, that's play action. You can't do that. And and then look what's happened the last two weeks. Jared Goff, he throws for what? Uh, 110 passing attempts the last two games. Both those games are losses. 
yeah. because they cannot establish the run, so you're making it easier for the defense to figure everything out. No, that's that's all that's all very true. And and with the Eagles' running game, I mean it it only it makes sense to run the ball to a point where you know you can actually pick up some yardage, and that's on the offensive line to to open up holes. And you know eventually at some point, if and the other side of that coin is okay, you're running the ball successfully. If a team's putting eight in the box, now you've got Carson Wentz back there, and you've got some weapons. And what I think really makes the Eagles' offense click is when they run that 12 personnel when they've got Goddard and Ertz on the field at the same time. Goddard is a much better run blocker than I think any of us anticipated he was going to be. But Yeah, he's a beast. And so if, you, if you're the Packers and you're playing all those defensive backs when the Eagles are in 12 personnel, you can just run it down their throat. If a team decides, okay, we're going to bring another linebacker in, well, now you've got Goddard or Ertz on a linebacker every play. And Carson mm-hmm. can just pick them apart. That's why this 12 personnel thing, especially with Deshaun Jackson out, is so huge to this team's success, Kevin. I, I completely agree. And if you can establish some type of run where you're at second and six or potentially second and five, oh, yeah. it changes everything. You get Earth more involved in the passing game than on second and third down. That is the key. And I think when Carson makes a couple of connections to Zach Ertz across the middle, he finds that rhythm to get then the ball to the outside and, and finding a guy like Alshon or maybe even Nelson in the slot. He gets into that rhythm that we need to see more of from Carson. I want to talk a little bit about the defense here and and some of the needs. Obviously, the secondary, specifically the cornerbacks, are all backed up. And obviously, a lot of Philadelphia and a lot of the NFL has been talking about the Jalen Ramsey situation in Jacksonville. Hearing more from Jacksonville this week that it doesn't sound like they want to trade him, even though Ramsey is basically not participating in any team activities at the moment. I wanted to get your read on it from a national perspective. Do you feel like the Jaguars will trade Ramsey at some point here? And if so, what are the odds you think the Eagles land him? From what I've heard that, you know, Howie's doing what he can, but we can't you can't go to Shotcon's house and force Shotcon to make a trade. Right. <laughs> you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars owner. And the more that Gardner Minshew wins, this belief that we can convince Jalen to join us is still there. But last time I checked, Doug Marone's the coach and Jalen Ramsey has an issue with Doug Marone. And this this relationship has fallen apart since that AFC championship game a couple of years ago where they had the lead going into the fourth quarter against the Patriots and then it fell apart. And then last year was an absolute disaster where the defense didn't back things up. And I think they were just really fed up with Blake Bortles. So I see two scenarios. I, I, I believe that if the Eagles have offered a first and second round pick for Jalen Ramsey, that is a fair offer for the Eagles. Yeah. And if this belief, belief by the Jaguars that they want two number ones, why not? If you could shop them around and get two number ones, I don't blame them. The question is, where are the number ones? At a certain point, I believe the team has a window. The Eagles, they have a window. Three to four years with Carson Wentz right now and the team that they have at the moment, right? Yeah. Where you could still have Malcolm Jenkins in the roster. You still have you know, Fletcher Cox playing at a high level. I, I believe that you have Alshon Jeffrey still in, in his peak years. You have to take advantage of that. And Deshaun Jackson right now. You've got to make the move if you have the ability to, and where they say yes to a first and second round pick. I don't think that's a steep price because if you're willing to give up a guy and you get a guy in that first round, you know, who's a top flight cornerback, it's still going to take a couple of years to develop, right? Yeah. So we're talking about a 24 year old kid who's in his prime, or they're about to enter his prime, and he's already, you know, the number one cornerback in the league when it comes to the pass. Now, if they don't. If they don't have the opportunity to get him, I'm calling Miami and talking about, you know, Xavier. Like, what can we do to get him? And, you know, they're selling. 
they want to figure things out. They, they have no problem collecting assets yeah. and capital when it comes to the draft. Right. I, I look into that. I look into the options around the league where you could find at least a good cornerback. Because right now, they, and, and I've seen some stories, hey, wait, wait till Jalen Mills, wait till our guys are healthy. I'm sorry, but no. just because you have five guys healthy doesn't equate, uh, equate to two good cornerbacks. Right. And that's what they're they're dealing with, and, and we need consistency. Thankfully, Malcolm Jenkins has been fantastic, and I think McLeod's been very good. Uh, he's that stability that we, that we missed last year after his injury. We do not have any consistency at the cornerback position. And let's get real here. I like Russell Douglas, but when you look at matchups, and we face a team like the Cowboys, and you see that backfield and what they could do with Zeke, and you see what they have with Amari. We gotta find a way yeah. to basically, find, you know, to shut down Amari Cooper. Because if you could do that, then you could focus on Zeke. Yeah. And they don't have a guy that could shut down Amari Cooper. And and I think that's going to be a big issue because in two two matchups with the Cowboys, if you want to win the division, you have to at least split. No, and I think the hope was Ronald Darby would be one of those guys that you could put on a guy like Amari Cooper, and he's just clearly not right. And obviously now he's hurt, uh, so it's we're not going to see him for. A little bit, but I wonder also. Yeah, John, and, and one, one other thing too, and I want to bring up one other point. Uh, don't mean to interrupt, but no, while we're talking about the cornerback position here. The most frustrating part of this is the Eagles have not developed a cornerback. Yeah, going back to the Jimmy Johnson years. Like, if you look at all the quarterbacks that they have drafted and what they have put in, you know, and I, I actually appreciate what Howie did with you know Sidney Jones because I thought that was a shrewd move. You get the talent, you get them a little bit later on, you rehab them. And then let's see what happens in his second year. He is not healthy. He gets injured all the time. And physically, you could see he's sometimes outmatched. Mm -hmm. And I thought this would be the year. All right, now, we put this investment. Let's see, can you turn the corner? We haven't seen him turn the corner because he's hurt all the time. When you had the Andy Reid years, the success of that team on the back end where you drafted guys like Sheldon Brown and Lito Shepard. You had Brian Dawkins for the, from the Ray Rose regime. Mm-hmm. And then you could grow with that team and add a couple guys, but you still had the core. We don't have a core where we can draft guys and develop. They're not getting better. They haven't gotten better in the last decade here since Jimmy Johnson left. And that, that concerns me in Schwartz's defense. Where are these guys getting better on the back end? Yeah, I think Avante Maddox came in as a as a rookie last year and really really showed a lot of promise. And he's obviously not going to play for the next couple of weeks. He's got the sprained neck and the concussion and all that. I think of all the guys they've drafted recently, Avante Maddox probably has the most upside. But will he turn into a Lido Shepard? Will he turn into a Sheldon Brown? Right now, I think he looks more like a slot cornerback as opposed to somebody who can handle a guy on the outside on his own. And those guys are are tough to find. There's no doubt about it. But you know, Jalen Mills was drafted late and it looked like he is a serviceable cornerback when he's healthy, but again, not one of those shutdown guys like you're talking about, and maybe they gotta go out and they gotta try and get Chris Harris from Denver, or maybe later yeah. in the season, Patrick pa- Patrick Peterson's available. I mean, would you would you give up two ones for Patrick Peterson or two no. ones for Jalen Ramsey? I w- I, for Jalen Ramsey, I would, I would definitely consider giving up two ones. I wouldn't give up two ones for Patrick Peterson. Yeah. Peterson's a little um, long in the tooth I, for that kind of a deal. Maybe yeah, a one and a three I, for Peterson. Maybe a one and a four, or if, if, considering where we're at before the trade deadline. Then you have to say, all right, a one and a three. We need somebody. To me, it depends on what kind of production we're getting from the quarterbacks. I, I like the idea of Chris Harris. 
Um, I think that that kid is really a good player, and and Denver could be looking to sell considering their start. So those are good quarterbacks, right? And then you get the Jalen Ramsey conversation. Then you talk to about a great quarterback, and not just a great quarterback, a great quarterback that is now in his prime at 24. And a guy that's going to cost a lot of money, but if you talk about the windows that these teams have, it's time to strike now. Because hypothetically, if they decide we're going to keep these draft picks and we're going to just go draft another quarterback, it's still going to take time. Yeah. Because quarterbacks, it's such a unique position. In the passing attacks that we see in the NFL, you can't just insert a quarterback from the college level and say, oh, you're going to be my shutdown. That takes time to develop. And we're not seeing that. And I don't, I don't see if they had drafted a, you know, a guy in the first round this year that was a quarterback. Okay, and maybe you could say there's, there's, uh, you know, something down the road. But they needed to go with the offensive line, considering how old they're getting. Yeah, they have to make a move. They need a veteran. They need a guy that could slide in. And I'm not saying immediately shut down things, but give us the concept that we've got help on the backside while our front line. He's trying to, to drive that pressure. Let's look around the NFC real quick here before I ask you about the Jets game on Sunday here. Uh, and, you know, watching the Seahawks uh, just barely escape with a win against the Rams at home, it was really a great two, two great Thursday night football games in a row. I think the lesson we're learning here about Thursday night football, Kevin, is if you don't if you don't schedule the Titans and Bills every Thursday night, you probably <laughs> will get some better games. But, you know, we've seen – I think we see a wide-open NFC right here. I, I don't – I don't know that you can confidently – I'll, I'll put it this way. If you ask 10 people to organize who they think the top five teams in the NFC are, you might get eight different combinations. I mean, because you've got, you've got the Seahawks, you've got the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Rams, the Packers. The Saints have to be in the mix, especially once Breeze comes back. The Niners and Bucks are playing well, and the Lions are playing pretty well. I, you know, it's, it's kind of a wide-open NFC right now. If you had to kind of just shorthand your top five teams in the NFC at the moment, what kind of pecking order are you looking at? It's an interesting question, especially before, you know, the Monday night game with the 49ers against the Browns. I think we're going to learn a little bit more about that team in that situation. But as of right now, you know, call me a prisoner of the moment, but I think Seattle is, when you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, Seattle's a team, especially at home, completely different from everybody else. And I'm bringing up Seattle just because I know that quarterback's healthy. I would probably bring up the Saints as well, but, you know, the, the unknown of when Breeze returns and what's he going to look like, that plays a role. And also how they're going to fare in between while he's not there. You can't ignore what the Cowboys are doing. Uh, I think them losing Smith on the line is going to play a role. We'll see how long he's going to be out. But Dak is playing really well. Now, granted, he didn't play well against the Saints, but those first three games and that offense under Kellen Moore, it is moving. I understand that they didn't really play anybody, but still, you can't ignore that they're 3-1, and one and they, that offense was humming before that Saints game, and uh, the big reason why is because Zeke didn't, uh, didn't go off against the Saints, and I'm not sure if I have an order. I can give you five teams, and I think the five teams would feature the Seahawks and the Saints and the Cowboys. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what the Bears would look like. I think they actually benefit with Chase Daniel there, um, over Mitchell Trubisky in, in doing some things that offense. That defense is absolutely ridiculous and scary. The question will be, Chase Daniel, you, you have that little spark. How long is that spark going to go? Because this, uh, he's been a career backup and he's had four starts. So you can look really good in those first couple games. And then if you get enough tape, you come back down to earth. 
So I'm not sure about that Bears offense, but that defense puts them in the conversation maybe as the fifth best team. I would put the Eagles in there. I would definitely put them in the top five. You can't sleep on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm not sure that Rodgers before relationship is going to be a good one down the road Mm -hmm. uh, just because the way Rodgers feels like he's the smartest guy in the room at all times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Matt LaFleur, give him credit, he realizes that <laughs> this guy thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. But at a, at a certain point, when is a frustration going to happen on the field or an outburst where he's not pleased with what, what they're doing and, and Aaron has a, has a way of blaming everybody else instead of uh, saying, wait, wait a second, I need to take a step back. Right. But their defense has played really well. Patton's done a really good job as the D.C. I'm not buying the Bucks. I love Bruce Arians, but I'm just, I, I, I don't buy James Winston long-term. Uh, because he has a tendency to make a ton of mistakes. Carolina, with their quarterback situation, there's a lot to learn still about Kyle Allen. And the Vikings, what a hot mess, man. They haven't <laughs> been the same since the Eagles took their soul in that NFC championship game, <laughs> yeah. right? They've been trying to figure out their identity, and you got a head coach that, you know, well, the front office basically spends all this money because they want to pass the ball, and then you have a head coach who says, I don't want to pass the ball, I want to run. So clearly they're not on the same page on, what they want to do philosophically, especially when you look at the parts on that team. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I know I mentioned probably eight teams, That's but the... I've got the Vikings on the outside. I've got, you know, the Bucks on the outside. I'm still trying to learn more about the 49ers before I make a decision. But you can make a case. It's what, the Seahawks, the Saints, the Cowboys, the Eagles, and just because of that defense, I put the Bears there. But I don't, I'm not sure if Trubisky is their quarterback – and I put the Bears on the outside because I just don't think he's the quarterback for that system. Yeah, and I've been and coming into the season, I was really down on the Rams. I, I thought they were going to have a Super Bowl hangover, and they've lost two in a row. But I mean, at three and two, they, the the offense has performed better than I thought it would. I mean, I don't think they're, I don't maybe they're in the top five. I think you're exactly right. It is so wide open in the NFC, and I think it's going to change from week to week as we go on here throughout the now, season. And, and I want to say one thing too, and I didn't mention the Rams again. I'm a prisoner of the moment because yeah. I saw the last two weeks. One of the things that really concerns me if you're a Rams fan is that defense suddenly, suddenly does not look like they're all on the same page. No. And that secondary definitely doesn't look like they're on the same page. If you cannot run the football, I, I hope there's a 30 for 30 that comes out on what happened to Todd Gurley. Because we're not getting answers from anybody. No, I know. It's and, weird. And I know McVay really tried to get him involved early on last night, and it just wasn't effective. That offensive line, is absolutely struggling, and they're not doing a good job on on making sure that they create open lanes. But if you notice one thing, they've taken a blueprint from a year ago. We've seen a few teams do it in the last, uh, I would say, year, and that is we definitely saw in the Super Bowl. They're stacking six guys on the front line against the Rams, and then they're trying to dare, hey, we're going to stop the run here. What are you going to do, Jared Goff? Well, Jared Goff's going to throw the ball 45 to 50 times. And that actually favors the defense. And we've seen that the last two weeks. And if they can't run, and that means they can't do a play-action situation, I think defenses will take their chances against Jared Goff throwing the ball 50 times. All right, last thing for you here. Let's look ahead to this week's matchup against the Jets. Uh, the, the, the Eagles are big favorites in, in this game. Uh, I think last I saw it was something around like 12.5 or 13-point favorites in this one. And really, they, the Eagles, I think, should be should cover that spread. Uh, and I, whether Sam Darnold's spleen is uh, enlarged or not, uh, whether he plays or not, this really shouldn't be 
a problem game for the Eagles, Kevin. I, I think this is a game where they should make it look like it was in 2017 when these also-rans came into Lincoln Financial Field and the Eagles buried them right from the opening gun. How do you see Sunday playing out? I, I see them winning by 10 points, and I'm okay with that. I, I'm in the mold right now. If they win the game, I don't care how they win the game, let's just get the W <laughs> and let's just move on. You know, because yeah. the way this schedule, when you get into these October games, it's just like win ugly, just win. I don't care how we get there. And I think that's what, what it's going to be like for this team the rest of the way, especially, and I brought it up a couple times, especially the way the schedule shakes out in the next five games. So to me, just find a way, beat the Jets. It's up to them to make this an easy Sunday for them. And if they can make this an easy Sunday, then it's, uh, it's beneficial for everybody. But if they keep a team like the Jets involved in the, you know, the start of the fourth quarter, and you're, you're like, what are you guys doing here? Like, you guys want to make a run? Because you got to figure out, like you said, we've got to have some of these easy games. But I, I'm fine with it. The way this league is shaped up, you can't count out, like, any team. I, I, I hope they win by double digits and we can all relax at least for one Sunday. Yeah, it would be nice, it would be nice to be able to kick our feet up on a, on a Sunday afternoon for once this year. But you're right. Any win is a good win in the NFL. Isn't that what Andy Reid always used to say? Any win in the yeah. NFL is a good win. I think that absolutely absolutely holds true right now for this team. Folks, if you're, if you're not following Kevin on Twitter, make sure you do it at Nagandi ESPN. Make sure you watch him uh, every night on SportsCenter on ESPN. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on BGN Radio, man. I appreciate it. John, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. A big fan of what you guys do. Fly, go fly. Well, up next, I'm going to give you my ranking of the teams in the NFC. I'm going to try and whittle this down into a top five or maybe even a top ten for you. Plus, I'll give you my quick thoughts on the Eagles game coming up this Sunday against the Jets. That's up next right here on BGN Radio. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back on BGN Radio. John Stolnes with you. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Let me give you my top 10 teams in the NFC right now. And again, I'm like Kevin, kind of living in the moment here a little bit. But I think that Thursday night game with Seattle and L.A. was uh, pretty illuminating. And uh, I think we saw something from the Seahawks team. I'm my preseason MVP pick of Russell Wilson is looking pretty good right now. That that cat is unbelievable. I mean, he really is. I'm, he terrifies me. I think he scares me more than any other quarterback in the NFL right now. When he's, if he's the quarterback I would least want to face in a big game right now. Russell Wilson is absolutely incredible, and that's why I would have Seattle at the top of my rankings in the NFC. I do not want to go into Seattle to play a playoff game. You just can't win there. 
you just, I mean, only rarely does a team go into Seattle. Very, very rarely does a team go into Seattle and win there. Even in the Eagles Super Bowl season of 2017, they couldn't go into Seattle and win. And Seattle pretty much dominated that game for the most part back in 2017. So, I mean, Seattle is just an outstanding football team. They run the ball too much. I know Kevin was talking about wanting to establish the run and, and have a good running game. Well, that's all true, but you can overdo it as well. I, there needs to be a balance, and Seattle is too, too, they're too overly reliant on the run game, especially when you've got a dynamic quarterback like Russell Wilson behind center. So I, I, I love Seattle. I think that team is really, really good. And they are probably the best team in the NFC right now. But check back with me in a couple of weeks. We'll see if that's still the case. Right now, I have the Dallas Cowboys at number two. They did not look good at all playing against the uh, New Orleans Saints uh, last week. You know, that was their first real opponent of the season. So I think it's fair to say this week's game at home against the Packers is going to be very illuminating as well. I think we'll get it is at home. So Dak and Zeke and Amari should do a should have an easier time of it. Certainly an easier time than if they were in Green Bay. But I think the Packers, uh, coming off a long week, are going to want a little revenge. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to come out a little bit hungry. I like the Packers to win this game, and if the Cowboys lose to the Packers at home, then you got to move them down this list, but they were very impressive through the first three weeks of the season. They do have a lot of talent on offense and on defense, and they have played well with the exception of last week. And again, of course, last week, understanding that was the first time they've played a non-bottom feeder here in 2019, but given the state of the NFC right now, I, I have the Cowboys at number two. I have your Philadelphia Eagles at number three. I, I think maybe this is a little bit of homerism. I, I, you know, they certainly looked bad against the Falcons. They certainly looked bad against the Lions, but they looked very good against the Packers. And it felt like once they finally got one of their piece, a couple of their pieces back in Alshon Jeffrey and Dallas Goddard, they could do more of the things that they wanted to do. They didn't have all of the pieces that they needed to do what they want to do against Atlanta and against Detroit. When you have to rely on Nelson Aguilar that much, when you have to rely on uh, on, on just having one tight end at all times and, and completely abandon your 12 personnel packages, that's going to hurt you. And Carson Wentz still almost managed to pull those games out all by himself. But we saw what happened on Thursday night last week when Carson gets a little help. I think that's going to be more the story here as the season goes on, and I think that's why I think the Philadelphia Eagles right now are the third-best team in the NFC when they have all their pieces together. Right now they're just missing Deshaun Jackson on offense, and they are missing a lot in the secondary on defense. That defense is scary right now. But despite the fact that they are so banged up, despite the fact that they give up a lot of yards, they don't give up a lot of touchdowns. They're not getting sacks. They're not getting picks. They're not getting fumble recoveries. They need to do more of that kind of stuff. And so it's a it's a very shaky number three. But I'm looking at the teams behind the Eagles, and I really don't feel good about putting any of those teams ahead of them. I have the Rams at number four. And I don't think that the Rams' defense is any better than the Eagles' defense. In fact, I think it's far worse. And I think the Eagles have a clear advantage at quarterback. Jared Goff can make some really great throws from time to time, but when he's under pressure, he just looks to give that ball away, man. It's unbelievable how bad he is when dealing with pressure. Most quarterbacks don't deal with pressure well. Jared Goff handles pressure particularly terribly. And I don't know what is going on with Todd Gurley. Kevin just mentioned that a minute ago as well. Todd Gurley is not the same guy we are used to. Sean McVay is going to have to figure some things out, and I think he's got that team playing reasonably well on offense, but that defense is killing them. That defense is absolutely, and they are in a very tough division. LA is in a very tough division with the 49ers and with Seattle. I mean, that's, that's you know, they've got, I think, the best team in the NFC playing in their division. That was a great game last night. Really was. 
at number five, this is where I really start to struggle. I'm going to put the Saints at number five. Teddy Bridgewater gives them a chance to win every week. Obviously, he beat the Dallas Cowboys last week. He gives them a chance to win every week, and obviously that team is a lot better with Drew Brees. Maybe the Rams are number two once Drew Brees is back in the lineup. Right now with Teddy Bridgewater, I think with all of the talent surrounding him, Kamara, and you've got uh, the receivers on the outside, you've got a pretty good defense also. It's it's a That's a very good football team. And they're, they're coached well. Sean Payton's a good coach. Whether you, you know personally like him or not, that team knows what they're doing. And so I've got the Saints at number five. I'll take the Packers at six. The Packers have their issues. Aaron Rodgers certainly is a great quarterback, but we saw they have their issues running the ball. At least they did against the Eagles last week, so I have the Packers at number six. I'm going to put the 49ers at number seven. I'm not sure what to make of the 49ers passing attack. Jimmy Garoppolo is having a decent start to the season. They don't have much at the wide receiver spot, but George Kittle at tight end is something else, man. That dude can flat-out play. And the running game, they're getting Tevin Coleman back this week. They have, a, they have a trio of guys who are really running well for them right now with Breda and Mostert. Uh, both averaging f- averaging five and a half and six yards a carry for San Francisco. That that run game is really doing well, and Kyle Shanahan back there knows how to make it go. Uh, then I've got the Bucks at number seven. I've got the Lions at number eight. I've got the Bears at number nine, and I've got the Minnesota Vikings at number ten. That rounds out my top ten teams in the NFC. So let's look ahead to this Sunday against the New York Jets, Philadelphia Eagles hosting New York. And I, I again, I think this one, I think this one is a comfortable victory. I have the margin of victory a little bit more than ten points. Uh, I, I'm feeling a little bit more bullish about the Eagles this week. Maybe I'm riding too high on going into Green Bay and beating the Packers. Maybe the Eagles. When you're talking about letdown games, I know. Uh, Uh, BLG doesn't like to talk about letdown games, doesn't really believe in letdown games. This has the potential to be a letdown game, but only if the Eagles are looking at the schedule in front of them. Because as Kevin mentioned, the schedule is brutal. They play three straight road games after this one. They have to go to Minnesota to take on Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. Again, that's a game they should win, but then they've got to go into Dallas on Sunday night football. And then they've got to go into Buffalo against a very good Bills defense. And then they get the and then they have to host the Chicago Bears and their defense. So those are two really tough defenses in a row. And then they have the bye week and then host New England and then they host Seattle. I mean, that's a brutal stretch of games. They need a win here on Sunday. They cannot afford to lose this game to the New York Jets. So if you're approaching it with that mindset, hopefully they come out and they understand the urgency of Sunday, that they don't look at the the backup quarterback and think, this is a game that we should easily handle. Because if they do that, that's how you get run off of the field. That's That's how you keep teams in games, by getting sloppy with the football, by turning it over, by giving the other team short fields. We've seen the Eagles do that in recent seasons. I don't think that's going to happen on Sunday. I think the Eagles learned their lesson from the Lions a little bit. Plus, they're going to be healthier. Hopefully, Alshon Jeffrey is a little bit healthier than he was last week. Him being in the lineup was a humongous help. And hopefully, another a longer week. The Eagles will also have a longer week, having played on Thursday night. A little bit more time to recuperate. Hopefully, that helps a little bit as well. Alshon can maybe be a little bit fresher from start to finish. But I think you're going to see the Eagles without Deshaun Jackson continue to run a little bit more of that 12 personnel. The 12 personnel with Goddard and Ertz in there, you can just do so much. It creates so many matchup problems. If defenses go light, you can run the ball down their throats. If they bring in another linebacker or another safety, you can pass the ball all day long. And Carson Wentz looks so good running the offense out of the RPO. I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that. It's just... 
Doug Peterson gets into such a rhythm with play calling when they do that kind of stuff. I want to see that kind of stuff from the opening drive. This is a game where the Eagles need to come out and they need to they need to get on top of this team fast. They need to get up 10 nothing in the first quarter, 14 nothing early in the second quarter, something like that, and just leave no doubt. Demoralize the Jets right from the jump. Don't let them think that they can steal a game in Philadelphia. Don't let them hang around. Don't treat this like a preseason game. Go out there, step on their necks, show show everybody that this is a Super Bowl contender. Because this is the type of team that in 2017 they would have been up 31 to 10 by halftime. Now I'm not saying the Eagles have to do that this time, but I really feel like if this is going to be a Super Bowl team, that this is a game the Eagles should win comfortably. If they have to scrape and claw and get a victory in this game, then fine. Get to three and two. Do what you got to do to get to three and two, but I'm not going to feel like this is an elite football team if they scrape out a win against the New York Jets, especially if Sam Darnold's not playing. I think this will be a game the Eagles will handle. I think this is a game the Eagles will score some points. I just don't see the Jets putting up a ton of points on this football team, so I like the Eagles to win this one comfortably. 34 to 10. I want to see more of those drives like we saw in Green Bay with that Jordan Howard wheel route for the 20 yard touchdown, the RPO running the football. Balance. Not a heavy run game, a balance, a mix. Let that offensive line open up some holes. Mix in the play-action pass. Let Carson Wentz, let his let, let the guys around him help out Carson Wentz again this week. Remember, in 2017, the Eagles had the third most rushing yards in football. That doesn't necessarily need to be replicated here in 2019, but it needs to be better than it was in 2018. Make it so that defenses just don't know what's coming and then let this team eat. And I think that's what's going to happen on Sunday. That'll do it for this edition of BGN Radio. My thanks to Kevin Nagandi for coming on the podcast. And just a reminder, folks, make sure that you subscribe to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast. Make sure, make sure to check out all of the great shows that we have there. Babes on Broad have a new podcast out. The latest Kiston Solak, BLG, and Jimmy Kemsky have a podcast out. Lots of great stuff to get you ready for Eagles Jets coming up this Sunday at 1 o'clock. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on BGN Radio. BGN. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.